How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jarrett Berenstein, and on the show today, we've got international radio personality Wolfman Jack and the most successful director-producer in film history, Cecil B. DeMille. It was a fascinating talk. Uh, if you like the episode, be sure to check out the performers. Louis Perlman's got his uh, Kick the Jukebox radio show and podcast on kpiss.fm. Uh, he's also got a reading of his rock musical, Joey and Ron, on uh, May 13th. All the details of that are on louisperlman.com. And uh, you can always check out Chris Ferry on the Story Pirates podcast. Uh, that is a ton of fun. I... All my stuff, of course, you can find at jarrettberenstein.com. You can hear the freshest episodes of Famous Dead People every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Hit us up at famousdeadpeopleatradyforbrooklyn.org. Buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends. Leave a review. Rate. You know, all that stuff helps us out a ton. And, uh, yeah, subscribe to my YouTube channel because I should have some videos dropping soon. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Cecil B. DeMille and Wolfman Jack only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. People you know. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. Famous stories stuck in the heads. My guests today on Famous Dead People are 20th Century American disc jockey and radio personality Robert Weston Smith, a.k.a. Wolfman Jack. Oh, I am the Wolfman. And the founding father of cinema in the United States, the most commercially successful producer-director in film history, Cecil B. DeMille. Howdy doodly, radio listeners. Uh, Mr. DeMille, Mr. Wolfman, thank you so much for joining us here on Famous Dead People. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure. It's my pleasure, I'm Jared. happy to be here. <laughs> okay, so let's <laughs> start off with um, uh, with you, Wolfman Jack. Oh. So you were an extremely popular disc jockey and radio personality. It seems... From the Wikipedia that you developed your love of radio early on yeah. in your life. When you were young, your father bought you a large trans-oceanic radio in an attempt to keep you at home and out of trouble. Is that right? Yeah! Okay. My dad bought me a radio! But it said, it said very specifically on the Wikipedia that it was to keep you out of trouble. So my first question is, like, was there a particular reason that your dad was so concerned about you getting into trouble? Did you... Were you particularly rambunctious? Was he just an overzealous parent? Yeah, <laughs> I was running around in the graveyards of in America. The, in the graveyards? In the graveyards, running around, which, hiding behind parts of America. <laughs> North Carolina, where I'm from, Wolfman Jack. Okay, so he's in the. You're in the. You're, you're growing up in North Carolina. You run around the graveyards. Yeah. And your dad, I'm guessing, looks at this and says, "This is a negative behavior. This is not a behavior I want my son to be doing. So I want to keep him inside. Listen to radio instead." Is yeah, that right? I was a scamp. Okay, were you? What you doing in the in the graveyard? Just out of curiosity. I was hiding. <laughs> I was hiding behind those tombstones. Just, okay. Just. Just popping out every once in a while and going boo okay. to the bereaved Interesting. Man. Starting so, the mourners. <laughs> so yeah, we got a bunch of people who just lost loved ones and family members uh, ripe to be scared. Yeah, man, and they thought I was a larrikin. <laughs> you were a what? A larrikin. You mean like a werewolf? No, a larrikin. No, not a, li- <laughs> a lycanthrope. A larrikin. What's a larrikin? We'll get to that later, Do you know, what, do you know what a larrikin is, Cecil B. DeMille? I can't say as I do, yeah. although I'm eager to learn. Yeah, same. What's a larrikin? A larrikin's like a... 
<laughs> 19th century Dickensian street child, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they thought I was a lyrican. Those aren't fictitious. Those Louisiana are real. No, it's a real American. thing, man. That's a lyrican. real thing that exists. It okay. Really is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so your dad buys you this transoceanic radio, and it, it, I'm assuming it's successful in keeping you at home and out of graveyards. Well, I'll tell I you what jump was out successful of keeping me at home hmm. is that I had that radio, and I was listening to it one day, and I was listening to some R&B music, some early, right before rock and roll. Okay. When so a they... wolf, <laughs> when a wolf jumped through the window and bit me on the arm, and it was with the radio waves going through me, and that's how I became a half wolf man, half <laughs> disc jockey. <laughs> okay, so that's so, a terrific yeah, origin man. story. That's an incredible origin story. And half I... wolf, half radio. Gotcha. So, so you're listening to this radio. And at first you're just not about it, but then a wolf jumps through and at first and bites I was like, you. "What's this music, man?" Mm-hmm. And then the wolf bit me, and then I was like, "Oh, <laughs> this is my music. Gotcha. I'm a wolf man. I'm about this now." Okay, yeah, so quick for me. So quick question: So transoceanic radio, transoceanic was this, man, was this just for listening, or could you actually connect with people? Could you actually broadcast out of this thing? You know, I tried sticking my head in it, <laughs> sticking my head in, and going, "Is anybody there? Can anybody hear me?" Anybody I'm hear guessing. The wolf man? I'm guessing that was unsuccessful. I I shouted and shouted. Well, until I was on the radio, and then everyone heard me shouting, can anybody hear? Gotcha. Well, I'm just talking specifically about this one transoceanic radio that your dad got for you. So just a listening radio is what we're saying, right? Yeah, it was just a listening radio. Just a listening radio. We have to be specific. (laughs) It was just a listening radio. (laughs) Okay. But it's transoceanic. You're listening to some R&B, but you could listen to things across the ocean, right? Yeah. What was the, do you remember anything that you heard that you were like, oh my God, I'm listening to to Russia, to Scotland, to England. Were any memories from that point? (laughs) I heard some people from India who they were, they was drinking tea. Oh my God. People on the air in in India drinking tea. Hey, they're having tea time, man. And I said, (laughs) I'm glad I'm an American where I can run around and be crazy. Could you? understand anything that they were saying i'm sure it was in a different language if it, it was, was in all hindu the... man yeah could you understand what yeah, they were well, saying well i understood it was boring <laughs> and i'm glad that i was in america well, we already have our first lesson on how to be a radio dj it's like not this yeah not don't gonna do this boring not gonna do this boring don't stuff. you drink tea on the air man let's all uh you drink on the air is jack <laughs> okay so let's move over to uh Cecil B. demille for just a moment so as i mentioned in your introduction mr demille you are the most successful producer-director in film history, uh, mostly from doing enormous, big-budget epics, either based on uh, historical or biblical stories. So in a sense, you're sort of the godfather of blockbuster cinema. So my first question to you is, did you like making these giant movies, or did you make them because you knew that they would sell? Because looking at your... Wikipedia, it's the way that you adopted the image of a director with a megaphone and the jodhpurs. It seems like you liked making big movies like it was part of your personality would you say that that that's the case is that a fair thing to say i liked making them and i liked making big pictures okay so you're a big picture guy. i like the money and i like the fame i like the image and i like the style i like I the crowds and i like the accolades and i like the news articles and i like the attention okay okay so big big personality big movie kind of a guy um, did you, was there anything in your long, I mean, I looked at all the movies that you made and they all seemed to be like these huge epics. Were you ever handed a script that was like, this is a small movie, just two people in a room sharing their feelings or, or what we call like an indie picture now? Did anything either when you were early in your career or later in your career 
that piques your interest that you're like, oh, maybe I'll do this because it's a, you know, it's different than what I usually do. Absolutely. You Ooh, know, the okay. stories come in large and small, but I felt for the big screen, for the silver screen to really make a lasting impression, mm -hmm. you needed to be over the top. Okay. At one time, I was uh, suggested to uh, shoot a picture of Hamlet. Ooh, okay. Of the famous Shakespearean epic. Someone's like, I'm going to give, I'm going to, I know Sussy B. DeMille, he's the big guy. And I said, I'm gonna not give him big enough. <laughs> Bigger. Well, what, what would you have changed? I mean, Hamlet is, it's a pretty big story because there's very big I things that happen Ham. in it. No but, dance numbers. <laughs> no dance numbers. No dancing girls. No okay. magical sequences. No giant full band cavalcades. No religious descendings of the no Ten Commandments. Oh, but we have, we got a ghost. We got a ghost on page like two well, sure. in Hamlet, right? I'm not I saying it's ghost. a rotten That's story. That's a crazy character, man. <laughs> Okay. That ghost scene would have been fun. Okay, so ghost scene, we got we got murder in murder there. Murder would have been fun. All right, so but you think we got to add musical numbers. It's we, a downer, Jared. People don't mm -hmm. want to go to the movie and be brought down. They want to be uplifted. Gotcha, They gotcha. want to be excited. They want to be starstruck. Okay, so you, you, as I said before, you ended up making a lot of Bible stories, historical films, The Ten Commandments, Cleopatra, Samson and Delight of the Crusades. Were there any Bible stories or moments from history that you wish you had been able to make into movies before you passed away or movies that you want to make now that are based on history that either, that hadn't happened yet once you passed away. Well, I wanted to make a movie about the creation of existence. Ooh. The first six days. The book of Genesis. That's right. I think mm. I might have let that seventh day go a little bit. Hard to make that exciting at the end of a picture. Because he did rest. Yeah, then. we could do that over the title credits, maybe, <laughs> the end sequence. How, how would you film that just out of curiosity? So we got title sequence happening. All right, and, come and with credits. me now. I'm going to walk you through what it's going to look like. credits. What are we seeing as God rests It starts on in a completely black screen. But this is the end of the movie, right? No, no, this is the beginning. Oh, we don't have to do the whole movie. It starts with a bang, Jared. Okay, the big bang. If you want to spin it that way, but I think we stick with the biblical. You're going to lose all okay. the middle of the country if you, you stick to science-y science with it. Well, you said this starts with a bang, but in the beginning yes, of yes, yes. Genesis, wanna, he just says, get, let there be light. You want to get them both. He just says, let, let there be light. Yeah, That's man. right, but the, the, the light comes on with a bang, Jared. Okay. Yeah, and the so. beat goes on, man. <laughs> okay. So. We got to get a good voice, a big voice. A Ooh. Charlton Heston voice. Me, Ooh. man. You should have cast me. I could have played God, Hey, that's man. not a bad idea. Oh. I'm God, rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, it, would, it would resonate with the kids it, for today. It does have a little bit of that gravelly resonance that Charlton Heston had, yes, right? The Wolfman yes, voice. Yes, Grabs yeah. the attention. It certainly does. But I'm less into guns, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, what'd you say, Wolfman? I'm less into guns than Charlton Heston, man. You're less into guns. Less I'm into just guns. more into the rock and That's roll. That's not a Charlton deal breaker. Heston's into the guns. I thought you were saying that you listen to guns. <laughs> I like, Sometimes man. I listen to guns. <laughs> Okay. Hard not to listen to him. Okay, but what I wanted to know, so that's very, that's fascinating. We'd start with a bang, the, this bright light that hits the screen. It's the beginning of everything, beginning of the creation. But we were talking about when God rests at the end, in the at seventh the day. And that's going to go over the end credits. What do we see God do? Is he like in a, is he in like a burger lounger? Is yes. He, is, oh, okay, <laughs> he's in a burger mm, lounger. Yes. Burgers. I think he needs to look biblical. Okay. In the in the way that uh, the Ten Commandments, you know, with the robes, but not dirty, nice and clean. Hmm. Okay. A big beard, but not too big. Ooh, maybe a marble throne. Just throwing that out there from a design mm. perspective. But comfortable, but relatable. Has to be, ooh. So he maybe... needs to be above the common man, but of the common man. In the image of the common man. You want the ticket holder to feel like they're not going to sit on the throne of God, but... 
Maybe one day. It's not mm. that. It's not that crazy. It's they, attainable. They need, you want them to buy another ticket and bring their girlfriend or their wife or their kids. Gotcha. Kind of keep coming back and shelling out that dough. You want them to feel good. You're feels describing good. me, man. Feel like watching the movie again. <laughs> How are we describing you, Wolfman? I, I should be God. I could you, sit on my throat. I'm very relatable, man. You think you should be God, Wolfman? And at the end, when I rest, I say rock and roll. <laughs> okay. Listen to music. Let's uh, listen to some rock and roll. Let's move man. back over to. Um, uh, to Wolfman Jack for just a moment. I w- so that is I a, am God. So that is a uh, a biblical story. But think about like something in history. I'd love to hear about a, a historical movie that you would make. Uh, so Wolfman Jack, your early love of radio. You become a you become a fan of a few of the uh, heavy disc jockeys of the day. Yeah, man. I'm just gonna name a couple of these guys, and I'd love. To hear like what their shtick was, like maybe what what it was that made them so popular. Yeah, man. Uh, so there was a guy named Jono Henderson. Do you remember him? Yeah. Okay. What was Jono Henderson's thing? Jono Henderson played all the best records, man. Okay. Yeah, he played everything from A to Z. Did he have an on-air personality, or was he was he literally just? Here's the song, and I'm going to play it for you. That was it, man. Here's the song, and I'm going to play it for you, man. Okay. But I love those songs. But he just had great music. He had t- great taste in music. Yeah. And that's the reason why. Okay, yeah, okay. Man. That makes sense. Um, and there was also a guy named uh, Dr. Jive. Dr. Jive. He was all personality, man. No records on the air. <laughs> just personality. He okay. would say, he would say, and now, here's another one from Smokey Robinson. But then, you know what he would do? What would he do? He would just keep talking <laughs> and not even play it. It was a tease all the time with him, man. Gotcha. So there was always this thing that was coming, but he never actually played the song. Okay. Yeah, that sounds yeah. fascinating. And so, would he balls, see patients man. on the air? Uh, would he? Oh, did he have call-ins, Dr. He, Jive? He'd have people come to that studio. They'd do studio calls, man, and they'd be like, I got something wrong with my leg. And then they'd just talk <laughs> about that for, like, hours, man. Wait, so he was a he was a, a, a doctor? Like, he was an actual doctor. Yeah, man. And, but he wasn't, like, a psychiatrist. It was an early radio format. They didn't really know what they were doing yet, you know? So you he know, would try they to... Really, they would throw a lot of, sh- you know, a lot of stuff at the wall. <laughs> okay, he would See do, what like... See what would stick. He would man. do, like, medical advice, is what you're saying. Medical advice. Yeah, man. Okay, but not, obviously... That that sounds interesting, you know, like someone comes in with a hurt leg and he's like, oh, well, you got a contusion or whatever, and I put it in a splint. Is that you basically know, what the radio show was? Well, I liked his personality, and between him and the guy that had no personality, I thought there could be maybe something in the middle. Ooh, yeah. yeah take no personality, all records. No records, all personality. Maybe something in the middle, man. You know, take what works with one guy, take what works with another guy. You know, they say all great artists theft. Yay. You know, is, would you agree with that, Cecil B. DeMille? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, you're you were basically stealing your stories from the past. Ah, oh, there's no new stories, from history. There's no new stories. Only the great stories can be retold better. Yeah, what man. <laughs> inspiring thought. Uh, so, Wolfman Jack, you loved radio so much that you enrolled at the National Academy of Broadcasting yeah, in man. Washington, D.C. Yum, so yum, you, yum, man. You knew you were going to be a radio man. You I knew wanted that this, to be a radio man. I love that radio. This is what you wanted to do. So what was that like? What kind of classes did you take at the National Academy of Broadcasting? I'm wondering like what the curriculum was, what kind of things you learned that you then took with you later on in life. And to, Elocution, man. <laughs> Elocution. Proper manners, man. Being manners. a good on-air presence, being a sweet on-air presence to everybody, man. Manners was a thing. Manners. Oh, I didn't know manners was a yeah, thing. Yeah, and clearly, I passed with flying colors. Well, I don't know, because, uh, you know, I knew that you you had a sort of a brusque uh, on-air personality, 
And so I'm wondering where manners came into that. Well, you know? what they taught us was to say on the air, squeeze and twiddle my knobs on the radio. That was what we learned in manners class. That man. was manners was to yeah. make those sexual innuendos yeah. that you that you became Hold famous. Hold me close. For? Stick your head next to my speaker. I want you to plug things into my, my board. Don't you don't do it too. <laughs> I'm the only one that does it. I'm the Wolfman. I'm sorry, Wolfman. I just, that just you didn't go to school for this. That doesn't seem like uh, like manners. That seems rude. It seems rude to be so so sexually forward. Am I wrong? Is that you're very wrong? All right, all right that's fair. I mean, it you're... was a different time. Everybody it was a different loved, time. Everybody loved me because I was so well man. <laughs> I feel like America was craving a certain racy impropriety. Yeah. Okay, but yes, popular it may be, but not not manners. It wasn't. Move it wasn't polite. You're, you're quibbling the term. I see. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to seem like I'm arguing semantics here, but it just seems like it's the opposite of what manners is. It what being seems polite like is. you're arguing semantics. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that not fair? You know. Or just did manners is that what mean this something? show is? It's I a feel semantics treated argument. very unfairly by this question. <laughs> okay. I'm just... a well-mannered wolfman. Okay, if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guests today are iconic silver screen producer and director Cecil B. DeMille. Half radio, half wolf. <laughs> and 20th century. Well, that's me, man. 20th century American disc jockey Wolfman Jack. I'm half radio, half wolf. I was just thinking of a new picture. Ooh, that would be wonderful. Half Ce radio, half wolf. Cecil B. DeMille oh, picture. Oh, man. What would you call this picture, uh, Cecil B. DeMille, about the half man, half radio, uh, about the half wolf, half radio Well, uh, I mean, being. Wolfman puts the finger right on it, but has that already been done? I think the Wolfman has already, already been done. done. Yeah, that's but a that also done with my cousin. But that, <laughs> that doesn't... Uh... That doesn't connote the radio part of it also. It just makes it sound like it's a guy who's That's lost. I know what I call that movie, man. Radio Wait. Wolf? Radio Wolf. Wolf? Radio? Yeah. Radio Wolf Radio? I don't know. I don't like it, Get man. the marketing boys on it. You okay. know what I call that movie? What would you call that movie? The Greatest Story Ever Told. <laughs> well, that's all. That's and I've already done that one. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's go back over to uh, Sesame Dumont for just a moment. So uh, you were born in 1881. Both your parents worked in the theater. They were both playwrights. Bingo. Uh, so it was sort of obvious that you would continue in the performance lifestyle. But something I found interesting was your passion for religion, which is something I don't usually associate with uh, performance families. Entertainers, even back then, were generally thought of as godless heathenists. Isn't that is that not correct, Cecil B. DeMille? <laughs> I don't know where you get... Is that Wikipedia telling you that? Uh, no, that's just everything I've ever learned about the arts. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. you're wrong! <laughs> okay, so you're saying that entertainers, playwrights, artists, writers, musicians... Traveling actors, none of those were hedonists. Those were all good. Well, I'm not saying none of them were hedonists. Okay, but you say, and that... I'm not saying that a hedonist can't be a devout man of God. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, you know, as art's ripe with contradictions, Jared. Mm, okay, so what was the what was the art community like back then? Were you all? I've uh, never met a more straight laced, buttoned up group of people in my life than entertainers. Squeaky clean. Okay. Well mannered, man. Sparkling. <laughs> Shown like the top of the Chrysler Building. I mean, obviously, you, your parents worked in the theater. You must have had a lot of experience with actors, right? Yes. Okay, so tell us about some of these experiences with actors where you're like, oh my God, they're so they're so pure. They're well, so... I remember one time, my first time at Broadway, I was okay. in the show Wing Ding McGillicuddy. It was about a young chorus boy <laughs> who wanted to make it big. Okay, Wing Ding McGillicuddy. It uh, didn't run for very long, but... Uh, that's fair. It was a... Uh, it was a crackerjack of a show. Okay, tell us all about it. So one, one night after the show, everyone was feeling pretty riled up at opening night, and we all decided to go out for a rousing prayer group. 
Ooh, okay. We all sang hymns and read passages from the Holy Scripture. Wow. Rock and roll. <laughs> we were up until all oh, the wee hours of the morning, almost almost twelve o'clock. Oh, so you guys stayed up until midnight doing Bible verses and singing God's hymns and work. stuff like that. That's and, right. And that was a regular thing in the theater back then? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so did that make it difficult for you then to work in Hollywood? Because I know you, you, you can't tell me that Hollywood, especially in the 1930s, was a, a, a religious place, was a place where people went to church and, and sang hymns. Is that what you're saying, Sylvia DeMille? Absolutely. Really? Yes, I think Hollywood gets this reputation of being a Jewish haven. <laughs> uh, and I think that's, not well, only is it carries some spurious uh, undercurrents of fascism that I wholeheartedly reject. Okay. But it is my, it is my absolute assertion that Hollywood has and has always been and will continue to be a Christian Institution, a Christian institution, a community that is God fearing. That's and right. A few bad apples. I'm give it gonna, a horrible name. I'm just gonna throw out some things here for you, and you just tell me if you ever worked with or saw actors in Hollywood uh, doing any of these things. All right. Okay. This sounds like a fun game. Okay. Uh, illegal drug use. Frequently. <laughs> okay. Uh, overconsumption of alcohol. Frequently. Okay. Uh, sex with multiple partners, sometimes of different sexes. Well, I was never there, mind you, but I have heard stories. I'll give you that. Okay, so what you're saying is basically that all these illicit behaviors were there. Well, you have to have something to go to church and confess. Oh, I see. We're all human, Jared. So long as you Not go me. to... Who am I? Well, <laughs> you're half, half man, man, half radio. Half, radio. half wolf, half radio. So long as you go to church and confess half man, afterwards. Half wolf, half radio. Half man, half wolf, <laughs> You're half 150%... Things. Oh, rock and roll. Oh, rock and roll. 150% things. You know, I have to admit that there's something entirely infectious about your voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. It makes everybody want to do it, Wolfman. Yeah. We all want to get involved. made me popular for such a long time. Let's uh, go back over to Wolfman for just a moment. So your first job in radio mm. was uh, at WYOU in Virginia. You had yes. a radio character named Daddy Jules. Is that yeah. right? Uh, did you I tried to keep my strange hybrid wolf radio <laughs> man persona in the closet, man. This is before you came out as a uh, it was a radio hard, wolf. It was a hard decision to do it, man. It's always very difficult. I couldn't lie to myself anymore. Because you, did your parents accept you? <laughs> yeah, did you tell your parents? They never spoke to me again, man. Oh, I had to make my own shame. family of freaks, weirdos, and monsters. That is, it is such a shame, and it's such a common story also. You know, I'm just so glad that we live Yeah, you more. get bitten by a wolf. When you're attached while to the radio, <laughs> shove your head into the radio, and then what happens, man? Mm -hmm. They call you an abomination. They say you, you're choosing this lifestyle. Maybe which... I should have gone to Hollywood. Maybe where you they should were more have. accepted, man. Maybe you should, but or maybe not... they weren't accepted because they were so God fearing. Mm -hmm. Well, because I was a creature of neither God <laughs> nor the devil. I was the Wolf Man. Oh. Well, as we were as we were discussing with Cecil B. DeMille, it was it's okay so long as you went to confession afterwards. As long as you confessed your sins, then you continue to be a godly. I will confess live on the air. Ooh, man. okay, that's fun. Um, so yeah, so I wanted to ask you about this Daddy Jules character. You're not out as a half wolf, half no, radio man. being yet, and a half human, of course. Um, what, what was this character's like? What was his voice like? Do you want to hear Jules? what his voice was like? Oh, I'd love to hear what Daddy Jules. Said All right, like. I'll give you his voice and his catchphrase. Okay. Hi, I'm Daddy Jules, and I'm not a wolf, half man, half radio. I'm Daddy Jules. 
yeah, man, that's what that guy's. That's how he said it, man. Okay, so Daddy Jules, he would come on and he would say, "I'm not a half wolf." Yeah, yeah, half man. And half it worked Brady. for five years, man. Five Until years. Someone phoned in and said, "I think you're half wolf, half man, half radio man." <laughs> And then I hot-tailed it out of town. Oh, my God. Somebody outed I you. I split the Ginny. Oh, my goodness. Somebody somebody called you out. Yeah, man. Wow. Now, here's the thing I wanted to ask you about. So, WYRU in Virginia, uh, they eventually they decided to change their format to, quote, beautiful music, which, uh. I think is, which I think is weird. What does that mean? Does that mean classical music? Does that mean... Like easy listening. They like, just wanted to. They just want to cut cut the budget, man. Oh, I see. They hired one like kindergarten teacher to go in and just sing all the like just sing into the microphone. Beautiful music. This is beautiful music. La 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 la. This is beautiful music. So that well, was, they were they were creating original content. Uh, so they, it wasn't just. I mean, it's smart. Like that's what Hulu and Netflix is doing. It's you cheap. Know? It's why they it's why they become such industry leaders. But they does got it kindergarten teachers <laughs> singing into microphones. <laughs> I don't think so. They were man. content creators, man. It's very savvy if you look at it in the in the light of 2019. Um, so, as part of this rebranding to beautiful music, which, as you mentioned, was just one kindergarten teacher singing a song she was making up called "Beautiful Music" into the microphone. It was garbage, man. All right, but I mean, I, I just I thought beautiful music was like a genre. I didn't realize that that was a song. That, that was just a genre song. and a song. It's everything, man. Okay, so they asked you to change your on-air character and your show name to. Roger Gordon and music in good taste. Is that right? <laughs> you did not care for this, of course. No, man. I'm guessing also this is before you got outed as uh, the Wolfman on air, right? No. So you were, yeah, this is before I got. So outed. you were Roger Gordon for a while. Yeah, man. To give us so, a little, can you give us a taste of Roger Gordon and and music in good taste? What yeah, that yeah, show yeah, is yeah. like? Yeah, this is what he sounded like. Okay. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hi. <laughs> I'm Roger Gordon. This sounds a lot like Daddy Jewel. And I'm this not is. half wolf, half man, half radio. Um, I'm, I'm Roger Gordon. You're Roger Gordon. And this is music of good taste. If I was listening to this, I would have called it and I said, I think this sounds a lot like Daddy Jewel. Did anybody ever do that when you were? Yeah, man. <laughs> Okay. And then they accused me of murdering Daddy Jewel. Oh my God! Wow. And then assuming his identity. Jesus. Yeah. Well, that is a. Uh, when I'm, really it was just inside me all along. I man. see. Well, I'm glad that you eventually escaped and Rock and roll. to Mexico so you could be the Wolfman. Uh, we gotta have yeah, to. Yeah, the castle in Mexico. We're gonna have to uh, take a break very quickly, but before we do, let's move back over to um, uh, Bean and Mill for just a moment. So you started out as an actor on Broadway. Uh, you directed, you produced. Your first big success was a play called Reckless Age. Do you remember that show? I sure do. Okay, so that was the show that you directed, right? Absolutely. Gotcha. Now, you had uh, a well-established career in theater by that time, and so I was wondering, like, you know, this show, Reckless Age, like, what was the, you know, what, what was the th what were the themes? What was the story? You know, can you tell us anything about Reckless Age? It show? was the story of exciting youth, of Ooh. percolating love, mm. of men and women at a tender age taking off their pants on stage. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Wait, so the... So we, we, pants. Are we, talking, are we talking full frontal nudity, nudity here? So yes, I like full frontal nudity. <laughs> there was a little of that, too. Put your hands on my knobs. There was a little of this and a little <laughs> of that. Full frontal nudity Something in front of my everyone. radio. If I was, if I owned an Italian restaurant, that's what I'd advertise. I would say we have full frontal noodling. But it was tasteful <laughs> okay. and tasty. So yeah, did you? We ever... serve noodles. Okay, so we're. I'm th this is reckless age. This was a. I'm guessing like 
maybe like a handful of characters getting naked on stage. It was about a handful of characters useful. at a reckless age in their lives, but mm -hmm. also about the larger reckless age in which we live. Oh, I see. Double it was about meaning. love between a boy and a girl and a man and a woman and a community and a social movement. I see. Okay, now... And no pants. As you were directing, did you ever... Were you starting to get the urge like... The noodles. These are... <laughs> they were showing. They were showing their noodles. Uh, did you ever get the the urge to start making the big things that you would eventually make? Like, I got several urges. Ooh, okay. So you know, were you ever like, let's get a thousand people on this stage? I said, you know, this is dynamite, and I like this whole no pants thing, and it really pairs well with the noodles and the tickets are selling like hotcakes. <laughs> okay. But it's got to be bigger. Bigger, I say. Okay. Now, did you ever try? Were you ever going to be like, I'm going to put a thousand people on stage on giant set pieces? This well, we tried. Mm. But, uh, you know, union costs and the uh, structural integrity of the stage. Plus, at a certain point, we got more people on stage than we had in the house. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I, I've been in shows like that, too. It intimidates an audience. Mm, I see. It it, ticket sales. It's expensive to hire all those people. Yeah, to be... so we had to get some people off. You have to look at the bottom line. I see. I see. Now, this the stage was just too small for Cecil B. DeMille, you know? Well... You said it. <laughs> so, uh, so the Wikipedia says that you were having trouble supporting your wife and baby daughter when you were directing, even though you were pretty well established in the theater at that time. That's when I got the idea to wear the jodhpurs. Really? I thought, you know, when people think of a director, what do they think of? Absolutely nothing. Okay. They don't know what a director is. No one knows what it is. Who's a director? He's a man who directs. Yeah, what's that so job what? even? I know what the actor is. He, exactly. He's up there doing exactly. his thing. Exactly. Fred Astaire, dad's I know what the playwright is. He writes the words down. They don't know that Fred Astaire would be nobody without me. Nothing. You made Fred Astaire. So, I said, <laughs> I need to paint a picture of the director in their mind. Mm, and I for see. some unknown reason, probably because I had gotten hit in the head with a polo ball at a polo match... <laughs> I decided that that image should be of a polo player. I see. I put on a pair of jodhpurs I just happened to have lying around. I put on a beret because I had recently traveled to France. Okay. <laughs> I was balding. I thought it looked better than a bald pate. Mm -hmm. And you thought this I is got the a writing crop to intimidate people. This is the image of a director that is going to help propel me into stardom. That's right. Interesting. That is something they can take a picture of and put in the newspapers. We will. We we will. I want to really want to get more into that uh, after the break. But we do have to take a short break now. We will be right back with Wolfman Jack and Cecil DeMille, Cecil B. DeMille on famous dead people, full frontal noodley. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us, whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBarrenson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are the founding father 
of the cinema of the United States, the most commercially successful producer-director in film history, Cecil B. DeMille. Full frontal noodly. And 20th century American disc jockey and radio personality, Robert Weston Smith, a.k.a. Wolfman Jack. I am the Wolfman. Oh! Twiddle my knobs. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's go back over to the Wolfman for just a moment. So you eventually get to work with one of your mentors, a disc jockey named Alan Fred. Alan Freed. Alan Freed. Sorry, there's a typo on my notes here. He was originally called himself the Moon Dog. Yeah. And uh, he used a howl sound effect. Uh, And it is with, with him that you eventually developed your character of the Wolfman, according to the Wikipedia. We know now, of course. It was me that all it, along, it was man. Just, the Wolfman was in my loins the whole time. It was just who you were. Yeah. Uh, now, was that weird then? Because you're like, I'm a half-man, half-wolf, half-radio hybrid, and here I am with a, a human who's who, who's adopting a Moondog Howl personality. No, like, I, I, was, I was like, why didn't I think of this first? <laughs> This could have been me this whole time, and instead I put it on this voice. Hi. But no, no. I and then I, I never looked back. Well, at one point, I just used my real voice. At one point, did you ever think, like, oh my God, it's another half man, half wolf, half radio creature, someone that I can bond with? I'm not alone. You know, maybe, maybe we will, uh, you know, fi- figure out this world together as these 150% hybrid beings. You want to hear something? I do want to hear something. We did. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, was he is the big question. Was this a personality of his, or did he also get bit by a wolf while listening to the radio? His origin story is a little different. Oh, let's hear about it. He was petting a wolf when a radio bit him. (laughs) I see. He was petting a wolf. Okay, when so a radio bit him. So he was a half man, half radio, half wolf. That's right. Whereas man. you were a half man, half wolf, half radio. Yeah, Similar man. but different. That, yeah, I mean that must be it must be like the sharks and the jets, right? Like Alan Friedman, you know. It's we had be- our differences, but we we figured out that we had more in common than we had different. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful story. I really wish that, you know humans in general would realize that as well. Yeah. Uh, maybe so, if more humans were bit by radio. Maybe if they were. Uh, so the Wikipedia says that you want to differentiate yourself from the moon dog when you eventually struck out by yourself. So you added different sound effects to distinguish the wolf man from the moon dog. Is yeah. that right? Oh. Okay, so what sort of sound effects? Because he did a howl, of yeah, course. Yeah, I did a different howl. He did a different howl. His howl was like this. Oh! <laughs> my howl was like this. Oh! Okay, very similar from my, from my perspective. It's a subtle difference, but it's in there. It's okay. very different. Now, was there anything else? Was it just a different howl? Or did you have other sound effects that you threw into yeah, the mix? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of sound effects. I threw in a lot of sound effects of little kids hiding behind tombstones. <laughs> What does that sound like exactly, Wolfman? It sounds like this. Ooh, I'm a little larrikin. Ooh. A larrikin? Yeah. I'm never going to remember Kenzian that. Dickensian street child, I am never going to remember that word. Larrikin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe this. That, that's real. Uh, so Wikipedia... I can't believe you're real, Jarrett. <laughs> okay, so the Wikipedia also says that you uh, also took some of your personality from a blues man named Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. Is that right? Did you ever yeah. meet Howlin' Wolf? I did. Oh, I remember him. You remember Howlin' Wolf? Says yes, he talked mouth. like this. Hi, my name's Talon Wolf, and I like to be on the radio. Is that right, Wolf? It's Magic? true. That's the way he sounded. He, he was, he was until like, he was bit by a saxophone. He was bit by a saxophone. Yeah. What kind of sounds did he make after he was bit he by a saxophone? He sounded like this: honk, 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 honkity, honky. 
Of course. Sorry are... not to use the term honky on the air. <laughs> That's okay. That's just how he sounded. The the classic sound of a of a, a saxophone. What did you uh what did you take from Howlin' Wolf? Because the Wikipedia says that you that you sort of adopted some of his personality as well. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. So like what 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 were what part of his shtick did you incorporate into the Wolfman? I took his love of doing taxes, man. <laughs> The wolf he was man. diligent, man, and I took that from him. Howlin' Wolf, the man who was bitten by a saxophone. Yeah. This all adds up. Part of his personality was that he loved doing his taxes. And I just saw him budget some time and sit down mm-hmm. and get them done, and I did the same thing, man. Gotcha. So this was part of your on-air personality of yeah. Wolfman Jack. Okay. When I would sign off every broadcast by going... Budget some time to do your taxes, man. Yeah, save your receipts. Save your receipts. That's right. Fire roll. <laughs> okay. Uh, that is fascinating. Let's move back over to Cecil B. DeMille for just a moment. So uh, in 1913, you're 32 years old. You and two other gentlemen found the Jesse L. Lasky Feature Play Company. Uncle Jesse, man. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It certainly does. And you head west. Your original plan was to start shooting film in Arizona, but you disliked the quality of the light that you saw in Arizona. Is that right? Very bright, very flat. Very bright and very flat. Okay. And so were you thinking, like, there'll be different light in other places? Of course. Is that real? Yes, look. Even in this room. Look at the light over here. Well, yeah, but I mean, and then look at the light over you here. You know, we're in a we're in a room that's made of artificial light, but I'm figuring if you're out in the world, it's a subtle but noticeable why difference. Why would man. it be different, Jared? Like the light in Arizona is probably going to be the same as the light in California. Is that? Am I crazy? You're crazy. Okay. You're crazy. I guess I, I stone cold crazy, Jared. Guess, you're a fictional character. Okay, so I don't you're real. <laughs> I don't have a good idea. I don't. I guess I don't have a good eye for the subtleties of the light the way that you did. Let me give you an example. You could okay. take Elizabeth Taylor, a beautiful woman. Mm, okay. Great face, great oh, eyes. One of the great, one of the classic beauties. You shoot the same scene, same camera, same cinematographer. Set her up in Arizona. She looks like a pile of hot garbage. Really? Garbage. Yeah. Really? So many films shoot in other places. But you take her in Egypt. You put her in a crazy woolen wig. <laughs> okay. And she'll melt your heart right out of your body. You'll run back out. You'll you'll break your legs buying another ticket to that show. I yeah. see. So you would it's check. all about the light. You would check the light in individual locations to figure out where you were going to film things. Absolutely. So you're, of course, referring to Cleopatra, the movie that you made with Elizabeth Taylor. That's correct. How many locations did you try before you settled on shooting in Egypt with Elizabeth Taylor? Well, that's a good question. Let me think about mm-hmm. it. Six, carry the one, five, six. 2,645. 2,000, over 2,000 locations just looking for the right place to shoot Cleopatra. Yes, that's right. So let me... But it came out pretty good, too. (laughs) I think it really did. Tell tell me me one place that you went besides besides Egypt. Poughkeepsie. You went to Poughkeepsie, New York. Garbage light. Terrible. What was was wrong with the light in Poughkeepsie, New York? Uh, It just looks like you're underwater and covered (laughs) in that kind of green scum. You know, it's true. I've been to Poughkeepsie. That's where Vassar is. And you just just look like you're underwater. Yes. I'm not saying anything about the quality of the folks who live there. (laughs) I'm just saying the lights. Bad radio air? Bad radio air. Bad radio air. Out in Poughkeepsie. So you can't can't do anything good in Poughkeepsie unless you're filming like an underwater thing. No. Sure. I guess if you were doing Aquaman or the creature from Gross Or maybe like an Ethel Merman. Thing where Ethel she's Merman swimming matches around. The, voice of, the only good thing you can do in Poughkeepsie is write a dissertation about females in performance art theater, man. <laughs> is that a Vassar dig? Yeah. Okay, man. that's fair. Uh, okay, so... Yeah, I'm fair. I'm the wolf man. <laughs> so, Cecil B. DeMille, you move 
you continue moving from Arizona. You make your way all the way to Los Angeles. You get there, and everybody is filming in Edendale. That's where the that's where the film industry is at the time. You say, uh-uh, I'm going to film in Hollywood instead. Is that right? That's right. Light and, was slightly better there. Okay, so you, this is all a light decision. That's all right. based well, on lighting. Listen, it was also a religious decision because it okay. was already lousy with a bunch of religious fanatics because of the name. Edendale. Yes. That's right. And I thought, look, 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 you guys aren't paying attention. You're, you're not paying attention to craft. Look at the lights. Mm-hmm. I get it, Edendale. You want to be here. It resonates with you, makes you feel good. Mm, yes. I thought you, Look at what oh, you're getting on the camera. I thought you were a religious man, man. I am, but I'm religious about the light about, and the film and, and the about, work and the product. And about making his art, Wolfman Jack. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, just because I'm of the place. I'm religious about <laughs> cheese doodles. <laughs> now that, what that can't be true. Yum, what yum, an yum, interesting man. choice. That's all you believe in? You can't. You don't believe in anything else? Mm. What about fate? What about destiny? Ooh, yeah. Let's talk about what religion. What brought that wolf and that radio and you together? Does Wolfman Jack have I any... I was rub- rubbing cheese doodles all over my body, and <laughs> well, I think the wolf smelled them. Oh. Asked and answered. <laughs> I see. So the cheese doodle thing, was it predated the um, uh, you getting bitten. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Edendale, everybody's shooting there because they're very religious. Right. You choose Hollywood instead. It pains right. you not to be in Edendale, but you just know the light is well, better. Well, I went to visit. I mean, we did prayer groups there. And... Yeah, you don't have to not go to Edendale. Yeah, that's right. The film industry isn't based there. But I want to talk about your first film, Out of the Gate, a silent film called The Squaw Man. It's a smash success. It was an hour long, which is three times longer than any other movie that was made That's right. at the time. I was a disruptor. Yes. And so you, you're sitting there watching these 20-minute long movies, and you're like, hold on a second. These people are hungry. They want more. Is that that's, right? Is that fair? right. Now, leave them wanting more. That's a great film adage. Yes. That's true. Of course. But you could go sit in one of those short pictures, one of those 20-minute pictures, and you could sense... People were restless. Mm. They wanted something more. They wanted to see what would happen next. I see. Shooting an hour-long feature gave you an opportunity to let things, right? So 20 minutes, there's an arc. Then, happy ending, right? Oh, but the beat afterwards, a little depressing, a little upsetting. Oh, things kind of cool off a little bit. But wait, some new twist, something new happens, a new squall, man. (laughs) Okay. People were electrocuted do by you, the opportunity of watching to see a story continue to unfold. Do you mind if I interrupt you? Just like just, an onion. Just one second. Unfolding. Cecil B. DeMille. So, w- was there any blowback from this hour-long film? Did, did anybody say, "Oh my God, ponderously too long, an epic, no, no human can sit for that long"? W- was there any kind of blowback from the critics or from the audience? There has never been one even remotely negative review of my films of in the your entire film? history. No one's ever said a negative thing about work. any of your movies. No. Nobody who matters. Okay, so the Squaw Man, not only was it an hour long. There was a little pushback from the Native American community. Well, here's the thing, is that it was an interracial love story, which I'm assuming at the time, the silent era of cinema, not controversial at all? Nobody had a problem with that? No, but they loved it. They loved it. With seeing a relationship between a Native American... Didn't play so great in the Deep South. (laughs) They weren't our key demographic. You know, yeah, the more you fix that the next time, man. You fixed it real good. <laughs> yeah, I made movies that appealed to them. I made yeah. all kinds of pictures. I see. Okay, so that, I, like you know, that must have been controversial. But you're saying just we lose the South, but you know, it solidified your career. It made you who you are today. Every picture you got, you got to bite off what you can chew, and then you got to go a little further, right? You think I could, I can knock that out of the park, and then you got to go a little bit further. You okay. got to surprise yourself. You got to. Push yourself. Now, did you think, you know what, the next stage is I got to make longer movies? Or longer, you, bigger, oh, in color, gotcha. with sound, 
what, how long do you think a movie should be? I mean, you know, some of your epics, I'm guessing, were like two hours plus. Am I, am I right? Well, I think the human ass could only take about three <laughs> hours max. So this is, not, this is more of an ass problem as opposed to a brain problem. Yes, you, you do hit a threshold. The brains can handle it's it. It's not a storytelling problem. Mm. You can what tell if, a 15-hour story. What if we had some mechanism in the theater for people to get up off of their butts for a little bit? Well, it did that. They did intermission. No, I'm talking about and continue watching the movie. Like... Like maybe during the movie, someone's mm. like, and I need everyone to get up out of their seats mm. and, uh, and and move your legs a little bit. All right, now sit back down. I get love up. that job. Everybody get up. <laughs> get up and dance while You'd you be watch good this at it movie. Too. Move around your legs. Get up and dance. Ooh. I've thought about virtual reality recently. Ooh. Okay. But you know, I think there's something about the format of the big screen in front of you and mm-hmm. sitting shoulder to shoulder in rows with the, with the rest of humankind. Mm-hmm, okay. There's nothing like seeing a movie on opening night yes. in a packed theater. Wouldn't e- you agree? Elbow to elbow. It's a communal experience. I love it. And I think that uh, virtual reality has a lot, of, a lot of great potential, but you lose that human factor. It isolates the viewer. Why can't we have a virtual reality cinema experience all together? Like the same way that, that movies are working today... We just put a whole bunch of people in virtual reality in the same room together. Hmm. That way you get the same kind of camaraderie, right? Is there any reason why that's a bad idea? Well, Cecil, I can't Cecil think of a reason know? why it's a bad idea. I'm just not sure it'll work in the same way. Then what, are they all going to hold hands? How do you know they're there? Um, you just feel them because you're, your elbows, you know, when you try so to... So really pack them in. Yeah, you really you try to share your uh, armrest with somebody else. You, you're going to get run into another person. Am I, I can right? see it working in the scenes where you're like down in the crowd, like where the pharaoh is up on the... The top of the pyramid, holding aloft mm. his golden dias, banging the gong, and you're down, the camera is down in the throng, and you're jostled in there with the rest of the peasants and the slaves. The people are the extras. Yeah. I can see that working, yes, where the crowd is the The people extra. are the lyricans, the man. <laughs> The Lyricans. Uh, Wolfman Jackman is word a day calendar, fucking crushing it. Uh, uh, if you're you just get joining a nickel us, every time you say it on the air. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are 20th century American disc jockey Wolfman Jack. Oh, I am an actual wolf. And iconic silver screen producer and director Cecil B. DeMille. Hot. Potatoes. So let's go back over to uh, Wolfman Jack for just a moment. So 1963, 25 years old, you get a job at XERFAM. Was that pronounced Zerf? Is yeah, that how you said it? Man. Zerf. Zerf FM in Mexico. Yeah, Ole Man at the Castle. It had a border blaster. The, the dark, signal. evil castle. Okay. Where, where I broadcast for years. Okay. Man. It, it had a border blaster signal, which is a signal that can be picked up across the entire United States. Yeah, killed small animals, man. Did it really? Yeah, man. Nice. Oh my God! That Birds seem, would die, man. That does not seem safe. No, it was safe for me because uh, I was a wolf. I was I, a radio wolf. You're protected in the source. Wolf you know? radio, yeah. It's exactly. sort of like broadcasting away from you. Yeah, yeah. And I lived there with a, with a whole cast of ghoulies and creatures. There man. are even reports that you were picked up as far as Europe and the Soviet Union. Yeah, man. I was heard around the world, man. So you're you're a fully Wolfman Jack at this point. You are out. You are proud. You are living your life as a as a half man, half wolf, half radio creature. Yeah. Now with my family, my chosen family, a ghosts and ghouls and goblins, man. <laughs> okay. Doctor Frankenstein, man, he was there. Doctor Frankenstein. Frankenstein, man, how dare you call him Doctor Frankenstein? Doctor Frankenstein. And Igor, man, and Vincent Price. <laughs> Vincent Price was there, man, and Griselda the witch. 
Zelda the Witch was there too. I like how those she are was all, cooking up her recipes. Those are man. all mythical creatures except for Vincent Price. Yeah, who's no, just Vincent an Price. actual actual person. Vincent Price was there, man. He certainly was. Yeah, so we were all having a groovy time. Did you alter your performance or your content at all, knowing that you could be picked up in Russia, knowing that you could be picked up in Europe? Like, were there anything that you were putting into your shows? That were just sort of like, you know, and if anybody's listening in Russia, this is for you. Or if anybody's listening in England, this is for you. Anything like that? Yeah, man. It was like, and if this is, if you're listening in Russia, here's some rock and roll. <laughs> and then the Russians went, whoa, this is rock and roll just for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. that's. I'm really glad that you were, you called them out. That's yeah. really engaging with your audience. Yeah. Uh, if you're in India sipping some tea, mm -hmm. here's some rock and roll. Okay, so you were basically anonymous. Nobody knew what the Wolfman looked like. Yeah, yeah, but your popularity was spreading, of course. Yeah, yeah. You were living in Mexico. You're living in Minneapolis. Yeah, little did they know did I, lo they lo I loved suspenders and striped shirts, man. <laughs> okay, did you ever hear people talking about you? Like, you're standing next to them, and they're like, oh, my God, I'm such a Wolfman fan, and they don't know that it's you, and you're like, ooh. like yeah, I'm yeah. To people. I'd get so excited, I'd eat them, man. <laughs> Yum, 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 man. I eat them. Okay. Up like a little cheese. Oh, you dude. don't want to eat the audience. Now, I did hear. There were so many people listening that some of them could be expendable so I could eat them. Yeah, he could eat hundreds of his fans and still be the most powerful disc jockey in America. Yeah, Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, I wanted to ask you also about when you started like making public appearances as the Wolfman. Yeah. Uh, I read that you had different outfits that you would wear at your different MC appearances because you hadn't decided what the Wolfman was going to look like yet. You hadn't yeah, decided yeah, what yeah. your aesthetic was going to be. Yeah, yeah. Now we have Cecil B. DeMille here yeah, yeah. who created the image of a director. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so I want to hear like what you think, Cecil B. DeMille, the, the Wolfman should have gone out in public as if you wanted to be you know, known for being the Wolfman, for being the dis this famous disc jockey. I've always wanted to hear this. This is some good, <laughs> I, I could get some help in this. Yeah, this is good. You well, you're already quite here shoot. Mm, yeah, I think suit. that's a, yeah, it's covered with hair. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. I yes. don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Yes, you're a very hairy man. Yeah, yeah. You know, because of the accident that you had with a wolf, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think you could have played up those pointy ears a bit. Yeah, yeah, Ooh, yeah. Maybe, maybe some red contact lenses, something to make those eyes pop. Yeah, let's mm. accentuate it a little bit. What were some of the looks that you did try, Wolfman, before you settled on your eventual look? Well, my first look was I dressed like Little Lord Fauntleroy, <laughs> man. A larrikin. No one liked that. Okay, so I no. I had a little lollipop <laughs> was licking it during my appearances. <laughs> little, so, little, I am the Wolfman. Little blue outfit, yeah, the blue outfit. With, the, with the white fringe yeah. on it. <laughs> the fringe, Perhaps man. a top hat. Ooh. Yeah. So that was, that was, that, that was, was look number one. That was Wolfman number one. Okay, no, not popular. Didn't go very well. Okay, any, any others that you tried? Yeah, the Wolfman number two. Okay. Pulled a 180. All right. Stole an outfit from the Rockettes. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So show off the game a yeah. little bit. Show yeah. off those uh those Grabs the stems. attention, but maybe doesn't stay on brand. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, everybody loved it, but it didn't feel like me, man. I see. You got to be true to yourself, yeah. Wolfman. Yeah. Okay. And then you eventually just, you know, you fell into your look, which how would you describe it for people? Strap shirt. Okay. Suspenders, mm -hmm. man. And of course the hair, the facial hair. Well, more hair than you can count, man. <laughs> than you can count. Or than you'd care to. Yes. That's more true. hair than you can count. Uh, more than three. More than three. More indeed. than three hairs That's, on my face. Is that as high as you can count, Wolfman Jack? 
Uh, here's the top three countdown from Wolfman Jack. <laughs> Coming in at number three. I'm taking that as a yes. My hair. You're like that owl on the Tootsie Roll commercial. That's right. One, two. How many tracks three. do we need to listen to this break? One, a two, a three. For three. some reason, I feel like you're making fun of me. No, 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 Wolfman. Never, never, never. Uh, let's move back over to Cecil B. DeMille for just a moment. So uh, in 1920, you are the film industry's most successful director. Your movies are smash hits, and they have the three trademarks in the 1920s. You betcha. Lion Attacks, Roman Orgies, and Bathtubs. And I want to ask you about all three of these. All right. So first of all, Lion Attacks in your movies. Yes. You would use them as a way to sell the movies. This is obviously before... Uh, PETA was around making sure the animals were treated well. So I have to imagine that you would find a way to film this that was either really dangerous for the actor or for the lion or both. Is that a fair assumption? It wasn't particularly dangerous for the lion in most cases. Okay. But so the day, like, I can't say that it was always safe for the performers. Gotcha. Did you have a, um, uh, you know, survival rate for shooting with these lions? Uh, well, look. We, we we did our best to make sure everyone on set was happy. We wanted a spectacular result, but mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't do to have your your lead. You've already got three reels shot to be mauled by a lion, not be able to use them. So we we definitely tried to get the right handlers in place. And okay, they they we owned the lions. Okay, so you could do whatever you wanted to the lions. Yes, but you see, but but they'd also been in pictures, so we trained them, and uh, they they think they got quite used to the lights and the. Mm. The cues, and I think, um, you know, we had some accidents at first, but we got that number down. But you got it, you figured it out. We got that number down, and we sold a lot of tickets. Gotcha. People gotcha. love the lions. So there was more of a travel and error process in the beginning when you were using these lions. Yeah, it was right? a work in progress. Okay. We developed it. Gotcha. Uh, so let's go on to the Roman orgies. Uh, I'm excited few, about this part, man. Fewer so, people were hurt in the Roman orgies. Here. I can imagine. So these, this is what we called pre-code films before there was a motion picture association where yes. they would put a rating on. Yes. There was no censor. So yes. how graphic were these Roman orgies? How, how far graphic you, would you imagine? How far did you push the envelope on so, these? Uh, first of all, thank you for seeing my films. Oh, I've seen I've seen many of your. So films. how graphic so do you think that, they are? Well, I, I think they're perfect. I didn't see any of the oh, I didn't see any of the early pictures that you did in the 1920s. Well, listen, it's not like pornography is today, where you get the camera right down there in right, everybody's business, right in that. Twiddle s- those knobs. <laughs> because let's be frank, <laughs> it's relatable, but it's not great storytelling. Okay, so yeah, were, were we seeing penetration? Were we seeing penetration in these? Well, I give. I think if you look close enough, I didn't ever really frame that up as the point. You were more shot. of a, you were more of a people white knew shot the audience. Audience knew what was happening. Gotcha. So more of like rhythmic gyration. It was storytelling, right? It was the arc. Here we are. And uh, people enjoyed being in the room. They didn't necessarily need to see exactly what Mr. Roman number one was doing to Mrs. Roman number two. Gotcha. I'm glad they were married at least. Uh, so the the camera nice and far back. So you're I not insisted seeing... on that, by the way. What? That they, everyone would be married? Absolutely. It was a Christian <laughs> production. All right. Now, last, I wanted to ask you about bathtubs. This was in your Wikipedia that... Line attacks, Roman orgies, and bathtubs. These were the ways that you sold movies. Sometimes all at the same sequence. What did you? What did that mean by bathtubs? Were you just? Ha- well, having... you see, a bathtub is a large. I know what a bathtub is. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, did, I misunderstood the question. I don't know what it is, man. Describe a bathtub to well, it's a Jack tub in which would. one takes a bath. Okay. So were you just showing a scene where like one person would be taking a bath, like a naked person would be in the bath? Yes, twenty-minute scene. Oh, of someone just taking a bath. Not always a beautiful woman. Sometimes an ugly woman. Oh, okay. Sometimes a man. Variety. Of, yes, of different ages and shapes and sizes. Varieties. There's something inherently cinematic about watching someone bathe. Is there? 
Well, I, <laughs> you've got the Wikipedia open. You can look at my numbers. I think they speak for themselves. Gotcha. And so you just mentioned before we got into this that uh, that you would sometimes have all three in one. It's is that how right? you shoot it. It's how you shoot it. Okay, so my, look at it. This is a is, is a wide angle shot. Like we're like we're way back far. And so we're seeing people humping, and we're seeing a That's lion. That's right. We're tracking eating. down through the action. Oh, it's a tracking shot. Pass. Okay. We linger upon uh, the uh, nobleman okay. sitting in the bath, with the, being sponged down by uh, somebody with a palm frond in the other Ooh, hand, right? Okay. We linger there for a while. Suddenly, we hear a cry from outside. Camera turns. A lion leaps past the window, mauls one of the guards. Oh, my God. Guard fights the lion. Uh, the lion gets away, maybe takes off one of the guard's arms, arm, staggers into the Roman orgy, meets a nice girl, turns out to be his wife, of course. We don't Wait, necessarily so his, show that in the picture. arm got ripped off by the lion. She and tends to his wounds in both <laughs> sense of the word. And then ripped he goes in and the other guy Jesus graciously gets out of his bath and he has a nice hot bath. We pan back out. Circular shot. Start alpha mm. and omega, you bring it all the way around. You know what? That's why you're the king, Cecil B. DeMille. Die no might. That is why you're the king. The king of Roman orgy. Let's go back. That's how you make a movie. Let's go back over to... uh, um, Inadvertently, I feel like I'm drifting into your vocal territory. It's just... There's a lot of fry. It is infectious Wolfman Jack. It's just so fun. Yeah. Uh, Let's go back back over to Wolfman Jack for just a moment. Hey, Jared, Jared, Jared. Before before you ask me another question, I just... uh, I have to do one of my, my patented sponsorship spots. That is I'm on. unbelievable because that is the next question I was about to ask yeah, you. Yeah, I got to do one of them right now. One of these ads. Okay, uh, go ahead. This next answer to this question is brought to you by Larrikins. <laughs> when you need to get a small child who's been living on the street, who's a little smelly, but not as smelly as a little boy from the Bronx from the 30s, then you need a Larrikin. Go take a larrikin home with you today <laughs> for all of your precocious child needs. For all of your children begging for a, a crust of bread yeah, needs. Yeah, yeah I feel I'm like Wolf my Man wife Jack. took an antidepressant named larrikin, a larrikin for larrikin. a while. Larrikin. Oh, yeah. That, that's a larrikin has some side effects. Oh, yeah. Side effects may include uh, a scurvy. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, wanting more. Yeah, Dressing yeah. like little Lord Fondler. That's yeah. right. Yeah, uh, dirt on face syndrome. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, and so, blindness. Now, I did read that um, you did these on-air raid, uh, on-air reads. I had to. Uh, for had your to make station. that bread to feed my family. Couple Vincent of, Price needed to eat. A couple of uh, products. Of course, you were his sole, uh, sole provider at the time. I was. Uh, a couple of products that you were uh, hawking on your show. Dog food, weight loss pills, weight gain pills. Yeah. Uh, rose bushes and baby chicks. Baby chicks. You were selling baby chicks on the radio. Baby chicks. When okay. a dead chick won't do. Buy a baby chick today. For all your baby chick needs, take it home. When baby a chicks. dead chick won't do. When a dead chick won't do. Get yeah, a baby chick. I have to admit, it gets right to it. Baby live chick. Tell gotcha. me about these weight gain pills. Uh, yeah, tell us a little bit weight about that. Weight gain pills. All right. When being skinny, it won't do. <laughs> Buy a pill today to pack on the pound. Was Seems that like a go-to hook in the, the advertising When the blank blank won't do. That's yeah. right. Gotcha. Okay, now you lean pretty heavily into sexual content and sexual innuendo. Yeah, yeah, uh, Now, we, unfortunately, are running out of time, so we're just going to do this very quickly. Sure. Here's a couple of things that you would say to your listeners. Lay lay your hands on the radio and squeeze my knobs. I have said that multiple times during yeah, this On this show, yeah. You tell people to get naked. Yeah, there yeah, must yeah. have been some pushback, right? I know you were broadcasting in Mexico, but there must have been people... That Only were... from that conservative Christian community, Hollywood, man. <laughs> All the religious fanatics in, in Southern California were protesting. They were you. phoning up mm-hmm. and saying, 
I'm trying to shoot a movie. Oh Stop my God. this. Oh, hey. boy. What a bunch of squares. What a bunch I didn't of feel squares, like I was a dig man. until you started impersonating my voice. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for uh, for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I'd like to thank my guests, uh, Cecil B. DeMille and Wolfman Jack, for joining me in the studio today. One final question for the both of you. I know it's a little weird, but do either of you have any comedy shows or, or anything that you uh, that you want people to go check out? Uh, Wolfman Jack, anything you want to tell people about? Yeah, I got this friend named Louis Perlman, man. And I bit him while he was standing next to a radio. So he's like my son. And he does this radio show, and it's a podcast. It's on kpiss.fm, kpiss.fm. It's called Kick the Jukebox, man. And he also he wrote a rock and roll musical called Joey and Ron. He's doing a reading of it on May 13th. So go to Louis Perlman's website, www.louisperlman.com, for more information Ooh. about Joey and Ron has rock and roll musical. That sounds dope. Definitely check that out. And uh, anything you want to tell people about Cecil B. DeMille? Why, sure. If you're someone with kids and you like kids stuff, why don't you check out the Story Pirates podcast on the Gimlet Podcast Network. Featuring the hit song Backstroke Raptor, man. <laughs> it's a crackerjack. I am, of course, your host, Jared Berenstein. You can check out all my stuff at jaredberenstein.com. Buy my book, The Kelly and Conway Technique. Rate and review the podcast. If you're listening to this on the radio, all the old episodes are on the podcast. You'll love them there. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I've got some fun stuff coming up there. If you have any questions you'd like to ask your favorite dead person, please email that to us at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Ah, oh, horseradish. You don't know what you're talking about. What was it 20 years later, and everybody suddenly was this hard-boiled? Yes. Don't come we're to me with that baloney. Nazis in the face. That's right. You guys are precious. I only wish I had had all that recorded. <laughs>